who wrote a commentary on the book of Psalms. And I liked that. Uh, I thought, well, I don't think I can improve on that. A covenant of confidence. So when we think of a covenant, we think about uh, an agreement. Uh, we could think about the covenant of marriage, couldn't we? Where people bow to each other. So here, uh, this is Psalm 61, and uh, so Mr. Lennox calls it a covenant of confidence. Um, so we're going to read this psalm. It is a great psalm. Uh, I didn't know I was going to preach on this this morning. Uh, when I went to visit your mother last week, Denny, I read this song, psalm with her. Uh, the, the one I, this is the one I shared with her. And, uh, and then the Lord brought it back to me in my study. And so uh, here we are. So uh, we're in the 61st division of the Psalms. And the Psalms are about halfway through the Old Testament. The Old Testament, of course, is quite thick. So if you divide it about half, you come up to somewhere close in the book of Psalms. Uh, not exactly, but pretty close. So uh, if you would this morning stand together and we'll look at this reading of the word. <clears throat> this is considered to be a psalm of David. And he says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Lord, uh, as we bow before you this morning, we ask for your superintendent's guidance and your help. Thank you for this great psalm. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to receive good from it this morning, to be encouraged on our way, to live for Christ, to do the will of the Savior in our lives. We ask these favors in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated for the message. As David begins this psalm, we do not know for sure when he wrote this psalm. David had many problems in his life. Of course, some toward the end were because of his sin. But uh, David had many problems when he was following the Lord very faithfully, didn't he? He had many challenges in his life. Uh, just because we're following the Lord does not mean we will not have challenges. 
or that we will not have difficulty. It does come to all of us in some way in our lives. And so we do not know exactly where he was when this happened. It's been suggested one thing could have been uh, when he was when he was fleeing from his son Absalom. <coughs> you will find that in the book of Second Samuel and uh, chapters. Um, uh, I need to look down just a little further on my notes. Second uh, Samuel, and uh, I'll give you the reference in a moment. I don't, my eyes not falling on it right now. Uh, so there it is. Second uh, Samuel fifteen to eighteen, uh, where David could have been fleeing from Absalom. So. You remember the story of Absalom? Absalom was a, a beautiful individual. He had, he had charisma. Uh, he had charm. Uh, he, had, he had a beautiful countenance. And, and he was as cunning as a snake. And he had the personality of a snake, didn't he? Uh, because, or the character, I should say, of a snake. Because... Uh, he could, uh, he could make the people of Israel think that uh, he really cared about them. And uh, his father, oh, you know, his father was too busy with his own life. He didn't really care about the people of Israel. But Absalom, he cared. And if he was their leader, he would do great things. Uh, Absalom would have been a good politician today. He absolutely would, because he could, he could promise you, he could promise you the sun, the moon, and all the stars roped in together and make you think he could make everything so good. Folks, you know today that if your favorite party wins in election, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be okay, does it? Uh, we have so much godlessness we have so much wickedness. We have so much graft and corruption in our government. Sometimes we think, if I can get this one in, if I can get that one in, Jesus is the only one that we can trust. <coughs> and he, can, he deserves all of our trust and all of our confidence. Yes, we need to vote the best people in that we can. And I have some in government that I do have confidence in. I think they're what they say they are, but they're not infallible. They make mistakes even if they do a good, honest job. They don't know everything about everything. And then even when they're doing a good job, <coughs> there's somebody that will come along and tell a lie and smear them and set up things to make it look like they're guilty uh, to bring them down. Uh, so such is the case that Absalom uh, charmed the people. Uh, David, of course, at that point had already sinned against the Lord. And the Lord 
allowed Absalom to have a power in the government of Israel until finally, you remember David was driven from his throne. King David had to, had to flee for his life because Absalom was going to kill him. Absalom had some strong men. Absalom had a small army. Uh, it was a powerful army. And Absalom was going to take control of the government of Israel. And so David had to flee. Uh, it was a terrible time in David's life when he had to leave the throne, when he had to leave the special built house that he had built, uh, when he had to go out into the wilderness. <clears throat> when he was back like he was years before, when he was running for his life from King Saul. Old King Saul in the Old Testament would have killed him, but God preserved David. So here he is again. Um, David must have thought, I thought those days were gone. <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to have to go through these hardships anymore. Folks, uh, we don't know what hardships are going to come to us in life. I read uh, in our newspaper about uh, some of the people that had big savings and uh, had all their health care and so forth, and that's when General Motors collapsed, uh, when uh, they went bankrupt. And remember, uh, some of us started calling them government motors, uh, and I don't mean to insult anybody that's driving a, a General Motors car but we nicknamed them government motors because the government had to, had to step in and use your money and my money to keep a corporation uh, from sinking our economy. They were so big, had so many tentacles out into the uh, common market uh, that it, it, would have been, it would have been like a, a tsunami. Uh, for, for all this going belly up or bankrupt. So the government was forced to do something. Well, they had, they had a person interviewed in our local paper that uh, was, he was, he was in the manager's position. He wasn't one of the top bosses. He wasn't on the bottom rung. He wasn't he wasn't a laborer because the laborers came out not too bad because they were union. But he was in the middle tier and he did not have the benefits that the union provided and he didn't have all the money that the big guys had. And so when General Motors collapsed, he lost a bunch of stuff and was reduced to where he even had to take part-time work or temporary work to keep going uh, to get to retirement age. Uh, and so there went, you know, a lot of health insurance, a lot of money that he had had put back, now had to go into paying for health care and so forth. We don't know what we're going to go through. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, folks, I'd like to tell you, old preacher Goble is going to be here a long time to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know that. I don't know what's going to happen to me. 
I thank God every morning when I wake up and I'm able to get up and do things because we just don't know. Amen. None of us have assurance of tomorrow. And so I can preach to the young ones. I can preach to the old ones. Uh, you know, I think of old Tim Butler. A uh, hundred years and, and two months yesterday. He would, he would have been two months into his over 100 years old because his birthday was on the 30th of May. So here we are, we're 31st of July, so he's over two months past 100. Um, and it's amazing. Uh, you know, we just don't know. Uh, there was a time when Tim Butler was sitting right down there and, and Tim Butler uh, actually, I think, left us for a while. Uh, Chris Newland was here then. <clears throat> I, I saw Tim shrink and sink down in his seat, and head went back. And I said, Tom, I think Tim needs help. And uh, so Chris was back there, and Tom came over. And they started working with Tim. And uh, he was like in another world. Uh, I, I think he left us for a little bit. Uh, Chris started massaging his, his neck to get his blood going again and get him revived. Uh, yeah, I know, we've had others, but I'm talking about Tim right now, Jason, so stay with me. Uh, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, but Tim came back, and, and, and it was like nothing happened. Uh, we, we called the squad for him, but uh, we found out we weren't supposed to do that at that time because he had a do not resuscitate. But it didn't matter if, if uh, you resuscitated or not. Tim was not going to die. <laughs> he was, he was not, absolutely not going to die then. So we just don't know. What's going to come, what we're going to have to face and what we're going to go through. <clears throat> but David was going through a difficult time. And so when you read this first verse, hear my cry, O God. When you think of a cry, you don't necessarily think of intelligible words all the time. Sometimes it's a whale, isn't it? Sometimes it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a call or a shout. Oh, oh God, help me. Uh, and so David was in a point of desperation. He said, attend unto my prayer. So he's in a, a point where he realizes how helpless he is. I thought about the uh, Israelites when they were, when they were in flight from the Egyptians, and uh, the Egyptians were closing in on them, and uh, they were in a state of panic. And the Bible says they cried unto the Lord uh, for the Lord to help them. If you haven't ever been there, uh, when you say, I, I just need your help, Lord, uh, you will come to that point if you're a Christian. You'll come to that point. And maybe even if you're not a Christian, you'll come to it sometime. Desperation. So uh, it, it was something that 
uh, others felt as they cried out to the Lord. Um, notice what else he says here. Uh, he says, from the end of the earth. From the end of the earth. How could he be at the end of the earth? Well, what he's saying is, I was a long ways away from the temple, away from the place of worship. Uh, he couldn't get back to worship where he loved to call on the name of the Lord and where the holy furniture was. Uh, he, wherever he was, he was a long ways off. <clears throat> this wasn't for his, from his own planning. This was something that happened to him. <clears throat> and sometimes it is our own fault that we're a long ways off. If you're a long ways off from the Lord this morning, it's not because the Lord wants you to be a long ways off, but it may be because you have been disobedient, because you haven't thought about all the good things that God has done in your life, and you haven't really made time or place for Him. Uh, some of you are ever so close, and still you're a long ways off, because you do not have it planned in your schedule to talk to the Lord every day. And it doesn't mean you have to pray a formal prayer, but you ought to have some time where you're thinking about the Lord and about what you want the Lord to do for you. There's other people, yes, you need to pray for yourself, but it's not just for yourself you need to pray. You need to pray for other people, too. You need to pray for our country, that God will help our country. You need to pray for those that are about you that do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So some of you can be very close and yet very far away. In this case, David was forced to be away against his will. If this was the time of Absalom, he was forced to be away. He couldn't help it. <clears throat> Some people, I assure you, I've ministered to people over the years, and they would have loved to be in church, uh, but they weren't able. They couldn't come. Uh, back in the day when you didn't have everything on television, you didn't have all the, all the recordings that you could do and, and be like you were in a church service, and all of you know that even if you do that, it's not like the real thing. It's not like being here. It's not like shaking hands with brothers and sisters and saying, uh, you know, it's good to see you and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's just not the same. Some people that have been knocked out of church from COVID, what a sad situation. If COVID has scared them away and they don't come back, they're, they're not receiving the benefits of grace that they could have. Uh, so are you, are you involved in the prayer, in the corporate prayer of the church? No. Uh, are you involved in, in some of the special emotions of people in the church? No. David was away because he was forced to be away, but I've had people that are sick that cannot be but then there's people 
that Satan has intimidated them and scared them away, and they haven't come back. And our churches feel that this morning. Our America feels that, folks. Our America feels that. that our people are not as godly, as spiritual, as Christian, as what they used to be in days past. So he said <clears throat> he was calling from the end of the earth, but he's once again using this word, I will, or, will I cry unto thee. So he's not giving up, is he? He's going to cry unto the Lord. He's going to call out to the Lord. So he has faith that God can help him. This is part of the covenant of confidence. And so look at the next line here in verse 2. When my heart is overwhelmed. You know, I talk to some, sometimes their heart is overwhelmed. How, how can we go on? How can I face this? How, how can I go forward with this? How can I witness this anymore? Uh, overwhelmed means that it is beyond your strength. It is beyond your strength. Uh, you, are, you are not able. There used to be a fellow, <clears throat> his name was Jerry. I won't tell you his last name. You might know him. But that was clear back in, in days of yesteryear in Linden on the north edge of Columbus. <clears throat> Jerry was stronger than I was. And uh, we would, once in a while, it was never a fight. I don't ever remember any fisticuffs or anything like that. Uh, wasn't wasn't any any bruising or anything, but it was it was always a tussle to see who could master the other one. Uh, Jerry could always get me. He could he could always pin me. Uh, I'd struggle and so forth. Uh, but Jerry had more fiber and more strength than I had. He could overwhelm me. He'd have me pinned, and you know that's the way David felt. His troubles had him pinned down. He was underneath the burden, underneath the problem. He couldn't get out of it. He said, he said, it's his heart. When my heart is overwhelmed, folks, when your heart is overwhelmed, there's someone to turn to. And David cried to the Lord. And the scripture says, that he prayed this prayer, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. What do you think of when you think of a rock? <clears throat> what do you think of when you think of a rock? Do you think when you're, when you're thinking about a rock, you could go to these little stones out here, or you could, you could go to these things that set at the end of a driveway where somebody misses the drive and hits it and does about $5,000 worth of damage to their car. Uh, you could think about that. Uh, or you could think about, you could think about some of the places where uh, there is some huge rock. There's a place up at uh, Lake Erie that uh, we go, when we go perch fishing, uh, we've had some luck there. And we go by this place, and it's, 
It's a sheer wall of rock. Now, on top of that, there's a house or houses and road. But when we're on the lake and you look at it, it's higher than this building. And it's, it's known when we say we want to go to where the crack in the wall is. Uh, this, this cliff has a big crack in it. But it's all solid stone. These people living up in those houses above that crack in the wall, they're not worried about that coming down. They're on top of a big, a big rock. And they feel very secure up there. And believe me, the storms rage up on Lake Erie. But they're not worried about it. And David says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Excuse me. When you think of a rock, when the Bible talks about a rock, God is called a rock oft times in Scripture. Moses referred to him. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And... Looking here at verse 4, Moses said, He is the rock. And it's talking about God. The greatness, uh, uh, you ascribe greatness unto our God. Verse 3 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. Uh, there's several references there. I'm not going to use all them because they don't all fit. But 15, 18, 30. They all talk about the rock. Verse 31 says, it's talking about others that have gods, but for their rock, and that's a small r, is not as our rock. And that's a capital R. Our God is God of all. Even our enemies themselves being judges, So Moses said, even our enemies know that their God cannot compare to our God. Our God is great. Uh, You find a reference to it again uh, in the the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 2. And Samuel talks about it. And that's 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 2. And I'll read that one for you. And he says this. For there is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. God is your rock. And that means... According to commentators, that speaks of God's eternal existence. His eternal existence. That speaks of stability. When you think of a rock, you think of stability. When you think of a rock, you think of something reliable. It's always there. When you think of a rock, you think of something unchanging in its nature. 
That is, all those things are pictures of our God as a rock. And so as a rock, we can depend upon him and trust in him. He is eternal. We know he's unchanging. We know that he's reliable. We know that there's stability in him. And so David said, and, and notice what he says. He didn't say, I'm going to go to the rock. He says, lead me to the rock. Lead me to the rock. If, if we want Christ in our lives, if we want his strength, the Holy Spirit has to lead us to him. And the Holy Spirit has to make that connection. We just don't become Christians whenever we get ready to, whenever we want to. It's the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's so important when the Holy Spirit tugs at our heart that we say, yes, I do want Christ as my Savior. I do want to go to heaven. Have you done that? Have you said, yes, I want to go to heaven. I want Christ in my life. And you know, I know we get so busy with everything else. When everything gets swept away, it's like that song that Martin Luther wrote and we sang. A mighty fortress is our God. That's talking, about, that's talking about stability, isn't it? So when everything is swept away, we begin to think about what we need and about where we fit for all of eternity, where we're going to be. So he says, lead me to the rock. And he even says, it is beyond my reach. It's beyond my reach. It is higher than I. Aren't you glad God is above and beyond anything we can comprehend of? Amen. It's not just like our best bud. It's not like, oh, the man upstairs. Uh, we had, uh, I had the man here last week <clears throat> that was servicing fire extinguishers. Um, and he's, he's a believer but I noticed, I, you know, he's, he's been in our sanctuary before. He comes, he's got his hat on and so forth, and he's checking fire extinguishers. This one up here has to be checked. Has to make sure it's in date and will pass inspection. So he does that. <clears throat> so he came out of the sanctuary, and <clears throat> guess what Mike had? He had his hat off his head, carrying his hat. Yet we used to teach that for men to take their hat off when they came into the church because it was a mark of respect that, now women, not so. Doris, you're supposed to have your hat on, according to the scripture. You're doing just fine. But, but men, in reverence and respect, I mean... It's even a good thing to do when you're eating, isn't it? Take your hat off. Don't lay it on the table right there. <laughs> Drop it on the floor. But you know, that's what we used to do. And Mike did it, even though nobody's in the church. Nobody would have seen. But Mike did it as a mark of respect. So... Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I can't, I cannot, 
I cannot get on the rock. It's going to be, have to be the Holy Spirit that helps me to get on this high rock. And then he says, For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Now he's testifying. Here's a covenant of confidence. Lord, I remember in the past. Lord, I remember how you brought me through. I remember how you've been with me. I remember some of the tough times I've been in, and you've helped me. And, he's, and then he gives, when he gives that, when he gives that testimony, do you remember when God has helped you through some tough times? Oh, they were bad, folks. I remember some real bad times in my life. God has helped me through those. And I don't, do not want to forget that when I go through more hard times, that God is still faithful. And then he says, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. Now there is, there is a covenant, isn't it? There is a covenant. He's saying, I'm going to keep serving you. I'm going to keep going to your house. I'm going to keep following you. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Remember where the wings were? They were on the mercy seat, overshadowing the mercy seat. So David, in a sense, is thinking about that holy furniture and about the wings of the cherubim, that God's presence was there. And then I, I just want to go briefly through this. Um, in verse 5, he says, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. So there's the covenant. You have heard my vows. What's a vow? It's a promise. It's a promise. Sometimes people make promises to God and they're worthless because they do not follow through. But if we, keep, if we make a promise to God, the Bible tells us that we should never make a promise to God and then treat it lightly. We should remember the promises we make. If he's brought us through and we've vowed, I'll be faithful to you, we ought to be faithful and do that. He said, you have given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. How many of you know that God's people have a heritage? Praise his name. We have a heritage. We're on our way to the city. Those about us know, oh, they know we're not perfect, but they know that we're Christian, that we're doing our best to follow Jesus. They know that when we can, we're in the house of God, we're ready to worship his name. So then he chose to talk about the king, the king's life, his years as many generations. Well, David was the forerunner of Christ. He was in the, in the family of the Christ. And so, as such, we believe that he broke off some here into thinking about the king that was coming that was going to be forever. David was not going to be forever, but here he says, for many generations, he can talk about Christ. He says, you're going to preserve the one coming. And he says in verse 8 that I will sing unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. And so in the coming of the Christ, there was going to be a forever. Jesus gives us the forever. 
and he gives us his faithful love and he gives us his mercy. So we praise him. It's a great psalm. It should encourage our hearts. You know, we want to we want to come apart when things start happening. Can't do anything about it, folks. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to calm your heart before him. Doctor's going to give us, every one of us, if we live and get to enjoy old age, every one of us are going to get bad news sometime about us. We're going to go in. You know, it's a, you kind of breathe a sigh of relief. They didn't find anything. <laughs> I don't mean it's not there. I went to the heart doctor, and the heart doctor said, you know, I, I can examine you, and everything can be fine. You can go out of here and drop dead. <laughs> well, that's real encouraging, isn't it? You just said I was okay. Yeah, but you can, you can, have, you can have a cardiac issue and blockage, and you can be gone. You can be in the hospital. And I visited people in the hospital, and suddenly I walked out of the room. They're gone. They had cardiac arrest. And even in the hospital, they couldn't, they couldn't bring them back. So that's why it's important to know your sins are forgiven. Know that Jesus is your Savior. To know that you're one of his children. And when this life is over, you're going to go to heaven. Because we don't want the other, do we? We don't want to go to hell, but that's the other. And where, where, while it's not preached today, it's still reality. It's either heaven or hell, folks. We either know Jesus is our Savior and we're going to heaven, or we don't know him, and when we die, we're going to go to hell, and there's no remedy. There's no revivals in hell. There's nobody getting saved in hell, nobody getting out. We need to do our business now in this life. <clears throat> Will you stand with me? Well,